The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. I am the namesake of the program. Glad to have you with us today as we talk about the games of Week 3 and set you up for those matches and also take a look back at week two. Some impressions from last week. How about a big win for Williamstown? Their first four games are tough and it doesn't get easier for the Yellow Jackets. They really needed to grab one. I'm not saying that that's a must-win game. I have problems with calling games must-win games unless you literally face elimination from the playoffs or from your chances of getting to the playoffs. But there was a very real sense, I think, around this program that they needed to grab one of these first four games. It's a very tough schedule that Williamstown has to start the season. You saw they had Wheeling Central in Week 1. That wasn't the easiest game for them. And they were in that game despite a loss late. It kind of slipped away from them in the second half. This Magnolia matchup represented the first of four road games though this week's is just across the river in Marietta. That's not a long trip. But still, they don't play on their home field until September 28th. So that's a problem that they do encounter. And the teams they play are no slouches either. Marietta has had a good start to their season. They want to improve upon the 5-5 five and five records that they've been turn again. Ravens will be tough and so is Buffalo. So for Williamstown, things did not get a lot easier after Wheeling Central and certainly not after Magnolia. So this is a team that could have been 0-4 just as easily as they could have been 3-1 and after losing to Wheeling Central. So after that loss to Central that really put the onus on Yellow Jackets to come out and do something big on Friday and that's what they did and they responded with a big win against a pretty good Magnolia team that by a few reports that I have heard did not play their best football either. So Williamstown, Marietta, this week is one that we'll talk about much later in the program. Should be a big one. How about Parkersburg Catholic and Ritchie? There has been some chatter that Ritchie County did not get the most favorable treatment from the officials, but Catholic is at 2-0 and this year, and Ritchie drops to 1-1 after Parkersburg Catholic's win against Ritchie County. Earlier this week, I talked to DeathChartWC.com's Kerry Patrick because he was there. This is what Kerry had to say about why the Ritchie County fans may have been upset. First and goal at the 2 for Ritchie County. A penalty sends them back to the 7. They eventually get back to the one-yard line on fourth and goal, and I'm standing there at the pylon on that fourth and goal, and Richie didn't get the push. The only reason the ball did end up over the goal line was because the running back had reached over after he was already whistled down. A lot of Ritchie County fans, I think, were upset about that call, thinking that the Rebels might have been cost the game there. You didn't see the ball go over, and did you see a knee down? I saw the knee down. I saw where the ball was at that very time. Refs did a great job on placement. It was the nose of the ball, mm-hmm. basically. I mean, there was a, that much gap between the ball and the goal line, and I felt the refs did a not, very good job on you know handling that. They were spot on. They may have heard it from the Ritchie fans, but it, it was legit. That's Gary Patrick with DepthChartWC.com. For a team that has not won since 2016, Parkersburg Catholics got to be liking a 2-0 start to the 2018 campaign. Interesting matchup because the head coaches were two men that teach in the same building. Ritchie County coached by Rick Hott, Parkersburg Catholic coached by Lance Benninger. They both work in that Ritchie County Middle High School building. 
But again, Catholic has a tougher test this week when they host South Harrison. Ridgely County faces Frontier this week in what should be an interesting matchup. We'll talk about that one a little bit more. St. Mary's drops their opener to Scott. The Blue Devils will face another double-A opponent this week in Roan County. PHS was dealing with injuries, turnovers, and mistakes in a loss to Capital Midland on Friday. They were without Brenton Strange and Dylan Shaver. Strange with a hamstring issue, Shaver with a shoulder issue. Those are their two best wide receiver options. Keontae Peacock stepped up, but if you're PHS, You've got a pretty good running game and a good running back in Tyler Muller. I'm not 100% sure why that didn't lead the way for the Big Reds and why they didn't try to run the football or establish the run a little bit better or do better to get the ball into Tyler Muller's hands on Friday against Cabell Midland. But this is a team that has loads of talent. The potential is there. They can be and probably deserve to be one of the top five teams in Class AAA. They were just plagued by injuries, turnovers, and mistakes in that loss versus Cabell Midland. So we'll see where they go from here. Parkersburg South fared better than the scoreboard would indicate in a 24-7 loss to University. After both teams traded punts, South was driving for the first score of the game when they fumbled inside the 10-yard line. University would score on the next possession, and then a listless South went three and out. University scored a second time, but the Patriots rallied. The Patriots made a nice defensive stand to end the second quarter and another one to start the second half before getting on the board. They recovered a fumble and then eventually Braden Mooney and Nick Yoho connected on a touchdown pass. And then Brandon Penn's interception set South up with a chance to tie the game, but again South would fumble inside the 10. Second time in the game they did that. And down 14-7, the Patriots go from being on the verge of punching in the tying score, all of a sudden having their backs broken for the second time in the same game. It wasn't to be after that as Parkersburg South fell 24-7. University would score in the next drive at a field goal late and go into a 17-point win against Parkersburg South. A lot of potential out of that Patriots team. They got a tough matchup this week with Athens. Where does Tyler Consolidated go from here? That's a big question. The Silver Knights suffered a tough two-point loss on opening night to Ritchie County. And then at a basketball score, they fell to Doddridge County 62-43 on Friday. I'm not sure that there's ever been a team in Week 3 that needed a bye week more than Tyler Consolidated needs it now. We'll see what the Silver Knights do to respond from their bye week, and we'll see what they can do to go from here. I think if I'm Tyler Consolidated and head coach Ryan Walton, I look at the schedule and see that there are winnable games out there on that schedule because it's been a tough go of it. You know, Richie County is for real. They are better than I think a lot of people expected them to be. They're one and one could very well be 2-0 and after last week, but they have some winnable games left on their schedule. And Tyler Consolidated, for that matter, will have Calhoun and Wart County the next two weeks after this off week. They are two struggling programs. Then it gets a little tougher, Williamstown later on, Magnolia later on, and St. Mary's on the schedule in a very winnable game to end the season. So if I'm Ryan Walton, all hope is not lost. But that's a team that's certainly in need of a bye and a reset and maybe a hard reboot going into week three. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Let's take a look at this week's poll question. It regarded kickoff times or high school football games in West Virginia. It asked, what time do you think area high school football games should start each Friday night and why? Didn't get a lot of whys, though we did get 38 votes. And by a 63% to 37% margin, the majority of you like the 7 p.m. kick as opposed to the 7.30 p.m. kick. 
I gotta admit, the traditionalist in me likes the 7.30 kick, because I have the countdown to kickoff show at 6 p.m. It started as an hour. I like running that as an hour, and then I like the 7 o'clock pregame show and the airtime that we have on our stations, the 7.30 time for the game, and then our postgame coverage until midnight. I understand, though, why other people like the earlier kickoff. I know a lot in print media, and probably television media as well, like the ability to meet earlier deadlines and get more coverage in before either their 11 o'clock news shows or by the time the deadline hits for tomorrow's paper. And most of those in print media are probably holding up the paper on Friday nights just to get those high school football results in. Another reason I prefer the 7.30 kick is because I really have not noticed a discernible difference in when my work finishes on Friday night either. If it was a case of me getting home at 9.30, then fine. It never is. Just with things I have to do after the game, I have to host the post-game show, tear down equipment, usually make some arrangements for next week with my crew, call the statewide Metro News show, and then call into our scoreboard show on 93R. So it's usually around 11 o'clock or 11.30 the time I'm finished anyway, regardless of what time the games kick. That's just what it seems to be to me at least. And that's just my opinion. I actually talked to Parkersburg South head coach Mike Eddy about this earlier this week, and what he told me was he liked the 7 o'clock time because his team does work on Saturday mornings. They come in and watch film and they lift weights, and he likes the idea of getting the kids back and getting them better rested for that. Of course, one of the arguments of 7 o'clock kick times is that you get the kids back home earlier. I mean, maybe that's true, but their kids, they're not going to go to bed particularly early. They're probably still wound up. Some of them might go to sleep earlier. Who knows? But they're going to be up messaging their friends somehow on social media or, or whatever until they, they pass out or checking Twitter to see their mentions until they eventually fall asleep and get the sleep that they're going to get. And maybe you get people home a little earlier, especially if they're going to go out and watch a Saturday college game or do a Saturday college game or work a Saturday college game. Checking the mailbag, Ron McCurry says the earlier start time allows for weather or other delays should not affect visitor travel very much. I disagree with the last statement and here's why as far as the visitors i think you're putting those buses out on the roads at a time where traffic in some of the bigger areas especially you go through the charleston corridor is likely to be a little busier you look at i-64 it seems like we've had somebody stuck there every year at some point of course traffic accidents happen any time of the day but it seems like a lot of the congestion on 64 has caused delays in kick times and that's something that you hear about at some point every year so there's that factor of getting the teams cheerleaders and bands to the schools on time there's a bus issue because there are a lot of counties right now that if they use county transportation to get students to games, they're hurting for a few reasons. Some counties don't excuse students for extracurricular activities until they make sure there are sufficient buses and drivers to cover the regular routes. I've seen that happen in basketball in particular. And right now in a lot of areas, including Wood County here locally, there is a shortage of substitute bus drivers. If you've got your CDL, you're probably going to go drive for an oil and gas company and make a lot more than you would make as a substitute bus driver. Not to mention you'd have a full-time job and get benefits that you wouldn't normally have as a bus driver. So if you're relying on county-based travel, there's just a shortage of people to get you there. In Wood County, I know for a fact, and in some other counties in the state, I'm sure. So visitor travel, for a few reasons, really would benefit from that extra half hour. And then there's the other side of things. How about parents who have other kids in school that they have to scoop up, get home, get dressed appropriately for a high school football game, which at some times of the year can mean layering up feed those kids, get those kids to a game that could be two or three hours away all by the kickoff time. And not every parent is able to get out of work in time to make that all happen either. An extra half hour can be a really nice thing. If you're worried about the kids being that tired, they'll fall asleep in the back seat of the car. The kids, they fall asleep everywhere if they're tired. 
So I don't know. I appreciate the feedback, Ron. I disagree that an earlier kick time will affect visitor travel a lot for the reasons I just laid out. But my biggest gripe with this, at this point, we need to have some consistency for everyone involved. And I'm to the point now where I don't really care which one of the two it is, whether it's 7 or 7.30. I'm just so tired of constantly having that nagging worry in the back of my head over whether I'm going to sit and wait an extra half hour that I didn't anticipate to have to wait and maybe have to fill an extra half hour on the air because that's a lot of time to fill on the air if you've not planned anything for it. Or am I going to have to scramble and make some changes just because... I thought it started at one time and it starts at another. And it's not just for media or the broadcasters or anybody else like that. The teams themselves have trouble with this. I've had multiple teams tell me that they have come to games at one time, they're expecting a kickoff time of one particular thing, and that kickoff time has been another thing. And maybe that communication should happen between schools more often than it does, but you'd be surprised how quickly a week slips by for some of these folks who aren't as mindful of these issues as maybe you or I might be. School administrators, coaches, teachers, they've got a lot of responsibilities in a week and a lot of things to think about. So making sure the kick time is straight isn't always high on that list like you and I think maybe it should be. A lot of coaches designate somebody to check on that now that they've been burned once or twice. Unfortunately, it takes being burned once or twice and maybe costing your team a chance to win a game to find out about this the hard way. But really, above all else, I think that if you set one time and do it statewide, then that's the best marketing tool for high school football you can find. Because remember, we're growing a sport here. That's what this is all about. You're trying to pass this on and and get more fan interest. Because if you've looked around at the attendance of a lot of schools, you don't see the fan interest that you used to see. And the interest in football hasn't declined. It's just that now there are so many more options for people to stay home and watch football on television. College football games on Friday aren't going anywhere. There are a lot of people who stay home to watch those games that obviously like football that you could reach out to and would be potential customers to come to your school's game to draw a bigger crowd. I know that the fans who really want to be there will be there regardless, but if you're an athletic department, you've got to make that bottom line regardless of whether these are your fans or whether these are just football fans in general who want something to do on a Friday night. You don't care really if these people are cheering. If you're an athletic department, the colors that you see aren't red and white or purple and gold or blue and red, but they're green. Athletic departments need that dollar that football brings in to operate all sports. So you want to maximize those crowds and get the best gate that you can get and the maximum bang for your buck. So if there are football fans out there that are consuming football in some other way, that's one of your target audiences. Your loyal supporters should be your biggest one, of course. But if there are people out there that are consuming football at home rather than coming out to your sporting event and your venue to do it, by all means, those are the kind of folks you want to reach. The high school football fans that aren't making it out to games that are able to make it out to games but just choose not to make it out to games for whatever reason. Those are the folks you need to get to and if you can market at least a consistent starting time, at least that's one more factor out of the equation that might turn them away and that's one thing that you have going for you. It couldn't hurt. That's all I'm saying. The discussion about the Parkersburg Catholic Ritchie County game got me to thinking about the state of officiating in high school football this year and every year. Because every year it seems like the SSAC in every sport is begging and appealing for new officials and for fresh blood in the industry. A lot of their officials are folks that are getting older and aging out of it, and it seems like the SSAC is having some trouble getting younger people interested in officiating. It doesn't seem like you see as many former players as you think you'd see getting interested in being officiating 
officials. And I understand it's not an easy job. It's not for everybody. You're front-facing when maybe you wouldn't want to be, and you have to make critical decisions quickly in front of a large crowd. That's not an easy thing to do in some of the hyped-up environments of high school football. And it's not just the fans. It's sometimes the coaches and the players as well. But if you have the right day job that allows you to be free on evenings, and if you have the right family situation where you can be away for evenings a couple particular times of the year, you could make some decent extra money doing this. I was at a game recently, and I talked to a gentleman who was there to observe the officials that night and to rate them, and he told me that he was part of a crew working a game the following night, and it was one of the 60-some games that he had. I think he said he had 69 or 70 games this season between high school, JV, middle school, peewee, and even small college football, because there are a lot of those within a two-hour radius. If you're registered in enough places, if you have enough experience, you can work your way up to where you're doing football several nights a week. Many peewee teams in the area play on Sundays. Many JV teams play on Mondays. A lot of middle school and freshman teams play on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Varsity, of course, is Friday and sometimes Saturday. College is Saturday as well. So even if you're not registered in a lot of conferences, you can still work at least three or four nights and build that up as you choose. It's also a great way to get exercise. It's also a great way to meet people that are also interested in the things that you're interested in. In many cases, these are sports fans that don't have a particular rooting interest. I think one of the bigger mistakes people make with high school football is that if you're a fan of high school football, you have to be a fan of a particular team, or you have to be devoted to the community you grew up in or the town that you live in right now. And that's not true, quite frankly. I've covered this sport for a number of years. I'm a St. Mary's High School graduate, but the only reason I really root for St. Mary's High School is because the games are on our station and I know it's good for our company's bottom line when they go far. That's really it, other than the fact that I do like Jody Moat and consider Jody Moat a friend. But I also like Terry Smith. I like Ryan Walton. I like Rick Haught. I like any of the coaches around here because they've all been good to me and I got to work with them. They're nice guys and they're good guys and they're doing good things for their kids. Lance Benninger has built up Parkersburg Catholic and has developed a special bond with that group of kids and they're 2-0 and that's a great story right now. I root for great stories, and I root for people that are good to deal with. But that's just me. There are a lot of other people out there that are interested in high school football that don't really have a particular interest in any given high school because maybe their kids are graduated and they haven't kept touch with the people that are there now. They just like football. They like high school football. The officials that you see, I think, by and large, feel that way. They like dealing with these coaches. They like serving the kids. They like being helpful in the community. They love sports. They love doing something that gets them out with people. And they love doing something that connects them with some young people. And they love the camaraderie that they have within those in the officiating brotherhood. You meet those folks, you get in with them, and you got some friends for life. I've said this in sports media, and I think it's probably true in officiating, maybe more so even than media, but the camaraderie and the brotherhood that you share there is incredible. It, it, you come to a lot of these games, and you've seen a lot of friends that you haven't seen maybe in a little while. So I've always wondered why it is that more people don't take up officiating for a lot of reasons. The exercise, the connection to sports, and the fact that it can be some extra money, and depending on where you work, how often you work and the type of games you work, you can be making a few extra thousand dollars a year. It will go a long way to paying off your mortgage or your car payment or maybe your kid's college education. Plus, it's something fun to do. But regarding officiating, it is actually the topic of this week's poll question. Are you satisfied with the level of officiating in the area? Why or why not? That is this week's poll question because I want to know some people's opinions on officiating in this area. And I'll tell you mine right now and I'll probably go into it more next week once I've had more time to really lay things out. I think the official in this area do a good job of maintaining their primary objectives, and that's to keep the players safe and to administer the rules of the game. Those are their top two concerns. 
Their concerns aren't dealing with what the fans think, the, what the parents think, what the boosters think, what anybody else happens to think. Their concerns are keeping the players safe and making sure the rules of that particular sport are administered. That's that. And I think, by and large, the officials we have do a good job of that. I'm not saying that the officials are maybe the most skilled at it, and there are probably a lot of people out there that are more skilled than others and, and less skilled than others. And there are probably a lot of people out there whose abilities have diminished that keep getting assignments just because there's no one else to do it and they want to continue to do it. There's no one to tell them not to do it. But by and large, I really do think they do the best that they can, and they do a, a fairly good job of maintaining the objectives that they want to make. Sure, they miss a call or two. There's the human element in that. And unfortunately, that's what you're starting to see now that these games are being televised more often with AT&T Sportsnet and the Metro News coverage there with WTAP locally. These games are televised in HD. You can see mistakes made every so often, but that's going to happen when you've got the human element. It's imperfect, but I think they really do the best that they can. But I'm interested in your take on that. Are you satisfied with the level of officiating in the area? Why or why not? And I promise you, if you say why not, I'm not going to try to shame you. I'll maybe mention your first name. You can mention your names and get into the discussion as much as you want, and I will do my best to shield you as you need shielded. I'm not trying to call people out for the sake of getting lambasted. That's not what I'm about on social media. But at the same time, I really want to hear some honest opinions on this because there are some fan bases that get the reputation of being less satisfied with officiating that doesn't go their way. And there are some communities in particular that are of the mindset seemingly that if you're not with us, you're against us. No matter what we're talking about, it can be sports, it can not be sports, but that's the mentality that you see. And that feeds in sometimes to that mob mentality that exists against officials. But I'd like to see what you think about the issue. Games of the week in the area. Williamstown crosses the bridge to play the Marietta Tigers. Marietta's at 2-0. and Jason Shubbs clubs off to a good start. They have racked up over 90 points in two games this season. They're going to throw the ball on Williamstown. It'll be a tough test on Williamstown's pass defense and just a tough test for Williamstown in general. They did get a 20-8 win over Magnolia last week after falling to Wheeling Central in their opener. But Marietta's going to be a pretty tough test as well. How about Ritchie County and Frontier? That's one of my most interesting games this week. A pair of one-on-one teams that have first-year head coaches in and Rick Hall at Ritchie County and Russ Morris at Frontier, though Morris coached there at a previous stint. And they're really trying to forge identity with these programs, get these programs up and running. I think this game is going to say a lot about where each season goes from here for both Ritchie County and for Frontier. And how about Magnolia and Shadyside? Shadyside is a perennial Ohio power. Magnolia is playing a tough schedule this year, and by some accounts, they laid an egg against Williamstown last week. But we'll see how they bounce back, and we'll see if the Blue Eagles learn the lesson. You know, the lesson is always how you respond to the bad loss, and to not make that into a more complex situation than it is. And it's interesting to see high school kids learn that. It's interesting to see where maybe if you have a bad week of practice or maybe if you have a bad game, you can erase that in your mind and you can go back in and have a fresh start the following week. Sometimes teams get that and sometimes teams don't get that. And that can separate the good teams from the bad teams. But again, those are the games I'm watching this week. Williamstown, Marietta, Ritchie County Frontier, Magnolia, Shadyside. Those are the ones that I'm interested to see how they turn out. Don't forget, count out a kickoff airs on all three of our stations at 6 o'clock. You get the hour versions on Light Rock 93R and V96.9, the half hour on WXCR. On 93R, Game of the Week is St. Mary's and Roan County. WXCR features Van at Peyton City, and V96.9 features Parkersburg South on the road for one of just four times this year at Athens, Ohio. Again, Captain to kick off at 6 o'clock on all three of those stations. Kick at 7 between Van and Peyton City, and 7.30 between St. Mary's and Roan and South and Athens. Don't forget, you can download us on iTunes, listen to us off of SoundCloud, rate us and review us on iTunes and let me know you did it and I will send you a free t-shirt in the size of your choosing to the 7 Rangers radio station of your choice. Light Rock
Rock 93R, WXCR, or V96.9. Rate us and review us on iTunes, and I will send you, in the size you prefer, the T-shirt of one of those three stations in the size that you like. Totally free. I'll send it to you. Don't worry about it. Or you can pick up the station. I don't care. But I'll make sure you get a T-shirt if you rate us and review us. That's a promise that I'll make to you. Join us next week on the High School Football Podcast. We'll talk about our impressions of Week 3, and I will have your poll question, which, once again, is are you satisfied with the level of officiating in the area? Why or why not? Thank you for your time. My name is Eric Little. I'll talk to you Friday on Countdown to Kickoff. And enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode. And thanks for listening.